Section six of American Notes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie Maria Hoftenquesta. American Notes by Charles Dickens. Chapter four An American Railroad. Lull and its factory system. Before leaving Boston, I devoted one day to an excursion to Lowell. I assigned a separate chapter to this visit, not because I am about to describe it at any great length, but because I remember it as a thing by itself, and am desirous that my readers should do the same. I made acquaintance with an American railroad on this occasion for the first time as these works are pretty much alike all through the states their general characteristics are easily described there are no first and second class carriages as with us but there is a gentleman's car and a lady's car the main distinction between which is the first everybody smokes and in the second nobody does as a black man never travels with a white one, there is also a negro car, which is a great, blundering, clumsy chest, such as Gulliver put to sea in, from the kingdom of Brobdinag. There is a great deal of jolting, a great deal of noise, a great deal of wall, not much window, a locomotive engine, a shriek and a bell. The cars are like shabby omnibuses, but larger holding thirty, forty, fifty people. The seats, instead of stretching from end to end, are placed crosswise. Each seat holds two persons. There is a long row of them on each side of the caravan, a narrow passage up the middle and a door at both ends. In the centre of the carriage there is usually a stove, fed with charcoal or anthracite coal, which is for the most part red-hot. It is insufferably close, and you see the hot air fluttering between yourself and any other object you may happen to look at, like the ghost of smoke. In the ladies' car there are a great many gentlemen who have ladies with them. There are also a great many ladies who have nobody with them for any lady may travel alone from one end of the United States to the other, and be certain of the most courteous and considerate treatment everywhere. The conductor, or check-taker, or guard, or whatever he may be, wears no uniform. He walks up and down the car, and in and out of it, as his fancy dictates, leans against the door, with his hands in his pocket, and stares at you. If you chance to be a stranger, or enters into conversation with the passengers about him, a great many newspapers are pulled out, and a few of them are read. Everybody talks to you, or to anybody else who hits his fancy. If you're an Englishman, he expect that the railroad is pretty much like an English railroad. If you say no, he says, yes, interrogatively, and ask in what respect they differ. 
you enumerate the heads of difference one by one and he says yes still interrogatively to each then he guesses that you don't travel faster in england and on replying that you do says yes again still interrogatively and it is quite evident don't believe it after a long pause he remarks partly to you and partly to the knob on the top of his stick that yankees are reckoned to be considerable of go-ahead people too upon which you say yes and he says yes again affirmatively this time and upon you looking out the window tells you that behind that hill and some three miles from the next station there is a clever town in a smart location where he expects you have concluded to stop your answer in the negative naturally leads to more questions in reference to your intended route always pronounced route and wherever you are going you invariably learn that you can't get there without immense difficulty and danger and that all the great sides are somewhere else if a lady takes a fancy to any male passenger's seat the gentleman who accompanies her gives him notice of the fact and he immediately vacates it with great politeness politics are much discussed so are banks so is cotton quiet people avoid the question of the presidency for there will be a new election in three years and a half and party feelings runs very high the great constitutional feature of this institution being that directly the acrimony of the last election is over the acrimony of the next one begins which is an unspeakable comfort to all strong politicians and true lovers of their country that is to say to ninety-nine men and boys out of every ninety-nine and a quarter except when a branch road joins the main one there is seldom more than one track of rails so that the road is very narrow and the view where there is a deep cutting by no means extensive when there is not the characters of the scenery is always the same mile after mile of stunted trees some hewn down by the axe some blown down by the wind some half fallen and resting on their neighbours many mere logs half hidden in the swamp others mouldered away to spongy crisps the very soil of the earth is made up of minute fragments such as these each pool of stagnant water has its crust of vegetable rottenness on every side there are the boughs and trunks and stumps of trees in every possible stage of decay decomposition and neglect now you emerge for a few brief minutes on an open country glittering with some bright lake or pool broad as many an english river but so small here that it scarcely has a name now catch hastily glimpses of a distant town with its clean white houses 
and their cool piazzas, its prim New England church and schoolhouse, when almost before we have seen them comes the same dark screen the stunted trees the stumps the logs the stagnant water all so like the last that you seem to have been transported back again by magic the train calls at stations in the woods with a wild impossibility of anybody having the smallest reason to get out is only to be equalled by the apparently desperate hopelessness of there being anybody to get in it rushes across the turnpike road where there is no gate no policeman no signal nothing but a rough wooden arch on which is painted when the bell rings look out for the locomotive on it whirls headlong drives through the woods again emerges in the light clatters over frail arches rumbles upon the heavy ground shoots beneath a wooden bridge which intercepts the light for a second like a wink suddenly awakens all the slumbering echoes in the main street of a large town and dashes on haphazard pell-mell neck or nothing down the middle of the road there with mechanics working at their trades and people leaning from their doors and windows and boys flying kites and playing marbles and men smoking and women talking and children crawling and pigs burrowing an unaccustomed horse plunging and rearing close to the very rails there on 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 tears the mad dragon of an engine with its train of cars scattering in all directions the shower of burning spark from its wood-fire screeching hissing yelling panting until at last the thirsty monster stops beneath the covered way to drink the people cluster round and you have time to breathe again i was met at a station at lowell by a gentleman intimately connected with the management of the factories there and gladly putting myself under his guidance drove off at once to that quarter of the town in which the works the object of my visit were situated although only just of age for if my recollections serve me it has been a manufacturing town barely one and twenty years lowell is a large populous thriving place those indications of its youth which first attract the eye gives it a quaintness and oddity of character which to visitor from the old country is amusing enough it was a very dirty winter's day and nothing in the whole town looked old to me except the mud which in some parts was almost knee-deep and might have been deposited there on the subsiding of the water after the deluge in one place there was a new wooden church which having no steeple and being yet unpainted looked like an enormous packing-case without any direction upon it in another there was a large hotel whose walls and colonnades were so crisp and thin 
and slight that it had exactly the appearance of being built with cards i was careful not to draw my breath as we passed and trembled when i saw workmen come out upon the roof lest with one thoughtless stamp of his foot he should crush the structure beneath him and bring it rattling down the very river that moves the machinery in the mills for they are all worked by water-power seems to acquire a new character from the fresh buildings of bright red bricks and painted wood among which it takes its course and to be as light-headed thoughtless and brisk a young river in its murmurings and tumblings as one would desire to see one would swear that every bakery grocery and book binnery another kind of store took its shutter down for the first time and started in business yesterday the golden pestlers and mortars fixed a sign upon the sun-blind frames outside the druggist appear to have been just turned out of the united states mint and when i saw a baby of some weeks or ten days old in a woman's arms at a street corner i found myself unconsciously wondering where it came from never supposing for an instant that it could have been born in such a young town as that there are several factories in lowell each of which belong to what we should term a company of proprietors but what they call in america a corporation i went over several of these such as a woolen factory a carpet factory and a cotton factory examined them in every part and saw them in their ordinary working aspect with no preparation of any kind or departure from their ordinary everyday proceedings i may add that i am well acquainted with all manufacturing towns in england and have visited many mills in manchester and elsewhere in the same manner i happened to arrive at the first factory just as the dinner hour was over and the girls were returning to their work indeed the stairs at the mill were thronged with them as i ascended they were all well dressed but not my thinking above their condition for i like to see the humble classes of society careful of their dress and appearance and even if they please decorated with such little trinkets as comes within the compass of their means supposing it confined with reasonable limits i would always encourage this kind of pride as a worthy element of self-respect in any person i employed and should no more be deterred from doing so because some wretched female referred her fool to a love of dress that i would allow my construction of the real intent and meaning of the sabbath to be influenced by any warning to the well-disposed founded on his backslingings on that particular day which might emanate from the rather doubtful authority of a murder in newgate these girls as i have said were all well-dressed and that phrase necessarily includes extreme cleanliness they had serviceable bonnets good warm cloaks and shawls and were not above clogs and patterns moreover there were places in the mill in which they could deposit these things without injury and there were convenience for washing 
They were healthy in appearance, many of them remarkably so, and had the manners and deportments of young women, not of degraded brutes of burden. If I had seen in one of those mills, but I did not, though I looked for something of this kind with a sharp eye, the most lisping, mincing, affected, and ridiculous young creature that my imagination could suggest, I should have thought of a careless, moping, slatternly, degraded, dull reverse. I have seen that, and should have been still well pleased to look upon her. The rooms in which they worked were as well ordered as themselves. In the windows of some there were green plants, which were trained to shade the glass. In all, there was as much fresh air, cleanliness, and comfort as the nature of the occupation would possibly admit of. Out of so large a number of females, many of whom were only then just verging upon womanhood, it may be reasonably supposed that some were delicate and fragile in appearance. No doubt there were, but I solemnly declare that from all the crowd I saw in the different factories that day, I cannot recall, or separate, one young face that gave me a painful impression, not one young girl, whom assuming it to be a matter of necessity, that she should gain her daily bread by the labour of her hands, I would have removed from those works if I had the power. They reside in various boarding-houses near at hand. The owner of the mills are particularly careful to allow no persons to enter upon the possessions of these houses, whose characters have not undergone the most searching and throughout inquiry. Any complaints that is made against them, by the boarders, or by anyone else, is fully investigated, and if good grounds of the complaint be shown to exist against them, they are removed, and their occupation is handed over to some more deserving person. There are few children employed in these factories, but not many. The laws of the states forbid their working more than nine months in the year, and require that they will be educated during the other three. For this purpose, there are schools in Lal, and there are churches and chapels of, of various persuasions, in which the young women may observe that form of worship in which they have been educated, at some distance from the factories, and on the highest and pleasantest ground in the neighbourhood, stands their hospital, or boarding-house for the sick. It is the best house in those parts and was built by an eminent merchant for his own residence. Like that institution at Boston, which I have before described, it is not parcelled out into wards, but is divided into convenient chambers, each of which has all the comforts of a very comfortable home. The principal medical attendant resides under the same roof, and were the patient's member of his own family, they could not be better cared for, or attended with greater gentleness and consideration. The weekly charge in this establishment for each female patient is three dollars, or twelve shillings English, but no girl employed by any of the corporations is ever excluded for want of the means of payment. 
that they do not very often want the means may be gathered from the fact that in july eighteen forty one no fewer than nine hundred and seventy-eight of these girls were depositors in lowell's saving bank the amount of whose joint saving was estimated at one hundred thousand dollars or twenty thousand english pounds i'm now going to state three facts which will startle a large class of the readers on this side of the atlantic very much firstly there is a joint stock piano in a great many of the boarding-houses secondly nearly all these young ladies subscribe to circulating libraries thirdly they have got up among themselves a periodical called the lowell offering a repository of original articles written exclusively by females actively employed in the mills which is dully printed published and sold and whereof i brought away from lowell four hundred good solid pages which i have read from beginning to end the large class of readers startled by these facts will exclaim with one voice how very preposterous on my deferential inquiry why they will answer these things are above their station in reply to that objection i would beg to ask what their station is it is their station to work and they do work they labour in these mills upon an average twelve hours a day which is unquestionably work and pretty tight work too perhaps it is above their station to indulge in such amusements on any terms are we quite sure that we in england have not formed our ideas of the station of working people from accustoming ourselves to the complimentation of that class as they are and not as they might be i think that if we examine our own feelings we shall find that the pianos and the circulating libraries and even the lull offering startled us by their novelty and not by their bearing upon any abstract question of right and wrong for myself i know no station in which the occupation of to-day cheerfully done and the occupation of to-morrow cheerfully looked to any one of these pursuits is not most humanizing and laudable i know no station which is rendered more endurable to the person in it or more safe to the person out of it by having ignorance for its associate i know no station which has a right to monopolize the means of mutual instructions improvement and rational entertainment or which has ever continued to be the station very long after seeking to do so of the merits of the lowell offerings as a literary production i will only observe putting entirely out of sight the fact of these articles having been written by these girls after the arduous labours of the day that it will compare advantageously with a great many english annuals it is pleasant to find that many of its tales are of the mills and of those who work in them that they inculcate habits of self-denial and contentment and teach good doctrines of enlarged benevolence
a strong feeling for the beauties of nature as displayed in the solitudes the writers have left at home breathes through its pages like wholesome village air and through its circulating library is a favourable school for the study of such topics it has very scant illusions to fine clothes fine marriages fine houses or fine life some persons might object to the papers being signed occasionally with rather fine names but this is an american fashion one of the provinces of the state legislature of massachusetts is to alter ugly names into pretty ones as the children improve upon the taste of their parents these changes costing little or nothing scores of marianne's are solemnly converted into bevelinas every session it is said that on the occasion of a visit from general jackson or general harrison to this town i forget which but it is not to the purpose he walked through three miles and a half of these young ladies all dressed out with parasols and silk stockings but as i am not aware that any worse consequence ensued that a sudden looking up of all the parasols and silk stockings in the market and perhaps the bankruptcy of some speculative new englander who brought them all up at any price an expectation of a demand that never came i set no great store by the circumstance in this brief account of lowell and inadequate expression of the gratification it yielded to me and cannot fail to afford to any foreigner whom the condition of such people at home is a subject of interest and anxious speculation i have carefully abstained from drawing a comparison between these factories and those of our own land many of the circumstances whose strong influence has been at work for years in our manufacturing towns have not arisen here and there is no manufacturing population in lowell so to speak for these girls often the daughters of small farmers come from other states remain a few years in the mills and then go home for good the contrast would be a strong one for it would be between the good and evil the living light and the deepest shadow i abstained from it because i deem it just to do so but only the more earnestly adjure all those whose eyes may rest on these pages to pause and reflect upon the difference between this town and those great haunts of desperate misery to call to mind if they can in the midst of party strife and squabble the efforts that must be made to purge them of their suffering and danger and last and foremost to remember how the precious time is rushing by i returned at night by the same railroad and in the same kind of car one of the passengers being exceedingly anxious to expound a great length to my companion not to me of course the true principles on which books of travelling in america should be written by englishmen i feigned to fall asleep but glancing all the way out the window from the corners of my eyes i found abundance of entertainment for the rest of the ride in watching the effect of the wood-fire which had been invisible in the morning 
but were now brought out in full relief by the darkness for we were travelling in a whirlwind of bright sparks which showered about us like a storm of fiery snow End of chapter four An American Railroad Lowell and his factory system Recording by Ellie Marie Hoftenquester